This episode is brought to you by WeatherGuard Lightning Tech. At WeatherGuard, we make wind turbine lightning protection easy. If you're a wind farm operator, stop settling for damaged turbine blades and constant downtime. Get your uptime back with our strike tape lightning protection system. Learn more in today's show notes or visit weatherguardwind.com slash strike tape. Welcome back. I'm Alan Hall. I'm Dan Blewett, and this is the Uptime Podcast, where we talk about wind energy, engineering, lightning protection, and ways to keep your wind turbines running. All right, welcome back to the Uptime Podcast. In today's episode, we've got a couple topics today. First, we're going to talk about Vestas. Obviously, they had a $175 million lightning damage problem. And it appears they've uh, tried to solve a lot of those problems with copper sleeves. So we're going to talk about that retrofit and how that might be working and some of the uh, engineering behind it. Uh, We're also going to talk about some different crane options. Um, You know, LiftWorks is one of the crane operators out there that's uh, sending these small cranes up to the top of turbines to then swap out gearboxes, swap out blades, do lots of really interesting repair work. And then we're also going to chat a little bit about small wind turbines, which will be a recurring theme on our show. Uh, and today we're going to talk about uh, My Best Watt, which is a, a pretty interesting company out of Europe that allows you to kind of custom design a turbine for your piece of land, which is a really interesting solution. I mean, it sounds almost, I don't know, to be good, too good to be true that you could have something that customized on, I don't know, when you get to these industrial size solutions, they don't seem to be customizable to that extent. So. Alan, let's jump right into Vestas. So obviously they had a $175 million lightning problem. What are they doing to solve it? Well, just keeping our ear to the ground because Vestas didn't really describe where this problem was or what they were doing to correct it. But some of their suppliers look like they're starting to talk a little bit. So there's a discussion, a little thing on LinkedIn talking about putting copper sleeves on the tips of blades. And I've seen that from Vestas in the past that... Vestas had created this, uh, we'll probably put it in the show notes here, but essentially they got a sleeve. It's probably about about a half a meter or so tall, and it just slides over the end of the tip, and they end up getting grounded to the receptor that's near there. So they have to stop the turbine, try to put this copper pre-made sleeve over top and attach it to the tip and uh, ground it. Uh, from what I've seen, I've only seen I've I've seen a couple of things online talking about how they do this. So uh, I've seen adhesives. I also seen in one place it looked like there was fasteners going into the to the to the blade. So basically, what they're doing is taking replacing the receptor with a copper cap. At, uh, and so you look at some of the newer blades, and they have these little they have these copper caps on them too. It's it's sort of the de, lightning protecting de jure. Uh, the the only issue with it, and Investus has done that for a while, so I think I've seen it all the way back to like 2005 or seven, something like that. So it's, they've been doing this for a long time. Uh, so I I wonder one if they're having good results from it. They say they had good results from it. There was a uh, this there was a discussion in the United States when you proposed to put in a wind turbine installation, you usually have to go in front of a, a governing body and describe what you're doing. So you you see in different applications talking about the wind turbines. And in this particular application, I think it was in Colorado, they were talking about the Vestas wind turbines and the lightning protection system where it had a, a copper cap on it and that they've used that cap 
secondarily to increase the lightning protection or reduce what was the word they reduce the lightning protection damage by or blade damage by 90 percent. so it's still not 100 percent, but it's it's mm -hmm. pretty good uh which make all makes sense so i wonder if they're putting copper caps on a lot of these blades because there's, there's, there's just like two two different things you see from vestus right now in terms of like mods one is the copper cap on the end of the blade and the second is like this uh copper i want to call it a band i mean it looks like a band it's kind of serrated a little bit uh like you could roll it up sort of thing or fold it up in a in a uh uh, accordion fashion is kind of what it looks like so it's got these little ridges to it and it, from looking at the, the vestus patent for it what it essentially is doing is they can put this uh copper strap on the surface of the blade and because it undulates up and down where it undulates it goes down they lay that against the receptor so they got some pressure against the receptor and it just so it's sort of complicated, but essentially it's just a big piece of copper to attract lightning to the receptor. That's so it's like a, it looks like a Band-Aid. It probably is a Band-Aid uh, in a sense, in terms of an engineering correction for an issue that they didn't foresee. So. Gotcha. Yeah. So can, as far as fastening these caps, that seems like it's going to be a, a tough uh, go there. I mean, yeah. is, is epoxy going to work long term? I mean, number one, at the tip of the blade, it's, subject to obviously like huge centrifugal force and 150 yes. <laughs> to 180 mile per hour tip speeds right but also like say it's epoxied well into place lightning strikes the copper it immediately heats up i mean how fast is that copper going to heat up and what effect is that going to yeah <laughs> to what what temperature i mean is it going to melt i mean oh yeah some part of it's going to melt no matter what you do with the where the lightning attaches the heat is so intense the arc so intense that it will melt copper no sweat uh so the the lightning strikes these things are going to get hot and, and the heat is going to be distributed some part of that's going to be distributed into the blade structure at the tip and then yeah it, there, not a lot of adhesives like to get that hot so if you're if you're and they must have some sort of adhesive in it to keep water from accumulating in the thing mm -hmm. and some sort of drain hole too you would think otherwise water would accumulate in it and the freeze thaw freeze thaw would try to crack it off so the, i think the one i saw that was bolted seemed to make a little more sense to me but you still got to seal this thing and provide some sort of connection and i think everything's going to get hot because the lightning strikes are really 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 hot like ten thousand degrees celsius hot so you there's not much that can take that uh in the world right there's very few, yeah. very few metals that can take those kind of temperatures without melting. And I think that's where long-term you got to wonder like, well, uh, you know, for a couple of strikes, probably cool. But for a lot of strikes, maybe not, depending on where you are in the world and whatever's holding this thing on, is it going to still remain there? Because that, that cap is about, I'm going to speak in American terms here, about five pounds. I don't know what, the, what, what that is in kilograms, but it's about five pounds. About so, two, two and change. Yeah. Okay, two and change. All right, so a little over two kilograms. Uh so five pounds moving at 180 miles an hour is a lot of force. Yeah, you could chuck that thing like a quarter mile if it <laughs> comes off throw. the top. <laughs> I know. Man. Boom, there it goes. The, the little yeah, the little kid in all of us want to see that happen at least once. Once into like the ocean safely, you know, not <laughs> just hurt anybody. Once. But, just once, so yeah. you can put it on YouTube, right? Uh, mm -hmm. But or TikTok, I guess. So yeah. <laughs> 
So it comes with, you know, it, the the logic from the Lightning Protection Society is like, well, we're going to add a, basically a, a copper cap. What can go wrong with that? It, it's not the copper cap from the Lightning Protection Society. It's like all the heat and all the stuff you're going to apply to that cap. And how does it how does it carry all that? And how long is it going to last? And all the water and stuff. It's the environment so stuff. so obviously with strike tape, you know, WeatherGuard's uh, segment of lightning diverter, those are really thin. And so, right. you know... The engineering there seems like, well, why couldn't this five pound chunk of copper handle a lightning strike when this tiny, thin little metallic strip can? I mean, what's the difference there? Well, one of them is carrying the lightning current. The other one's letting the air carry all the lightning current. So for a, a solid conductor, all the current is in the, is in the metal. Uh, so all the current's running in the metal itself, and the metal has some resistance, uh, and it gets hot. It just does. Uh, and on a lightning diverter, segmented diverter, 99% of the energy is up in the air. It's not actually going through the device itself. So it's actually taking the air above it and turning it into conductive plasma and letting all the energy travel in that plasma, which doesn't care how hot it gets. It's air. It doesn't matter, mm -hmm. right? It's not It's not structural. It's not attached to the blade. So... Uh, so these, so these two separate things are happening. One, you can you can fight a lot of copper and try to keep the temperature down, which five pounds of copper is a lot of copper, <clears throat> but it comes with other drawbacks and you got weight and momentum and things that want to fall off. Possibly you got to just worry about it and not say you can't design against it, but you, you know, it's something you're thinking about versus like a segment of diverter, which weighs absolutely nothing, um, is less than a millimeter thick and doesn't carry a lot of the lightning energy. It just directs it to where it where it needs to go to the receptor. So it's just different design philosophies. Maybe at the time to, to cast a piece of copper, that's five pounds. So what do you got? 20 bucks in copper plus the guy that's going to cast it. Plus the sh probably the shipping is <laughs> the most mm -hmm. expensive thing, the shipping and the person to install it and the time it takes to install it. So you start adding up the cost. So the copper itself and, is relatively inexpensive it's all the other stuff that comes with it that starts to add up in cost so you get to this is it financially worth it to do it that way or is it cheaper to do it another way uh, you know everybody's going to still have that debate everybody has their own opinion about it welcome to the lightning protection community right but yeah well one well, also seems like this is a solution where i mean have these been in use for very long mm, i mean how do yeah. they know this is going to make it 10 years, right? Uh, like I said, I think I saw this like 2007 or five, the first time I saw it. So they must have data with it. But I think the big thing is the big bud here. Uh, where did you try it first? And is it universally uh, applicable? Is it mm -hmm. work as well in Japan in the wintertime as it does uh, in Spain in the summertime? It's just there's a lot there's so many because o offshore versus inshore yeah yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean the environments are so different we're, and we're expanding where we're putting wind turbines and they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger obviously that the environmental effects get to be more of a threat to the lightning protection system than lightning is and how much experience do you have with that and that was the problem with the united states and a lot of wind turbine manufacturers in the states was they initially started out in california and in Northern California, well, at least until recently, there weren't many lightning strikes in California. There just are not that many lightning striks. So lightning wasn't an issue. So they didn't worry about it mm -hmm. until then they expanded out. They expanded their area coverage. They started moving to the Midwest, uh, particularly Texas. And then boom, 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 taking on these lightning strikes. Like, hey, what the heck's going on, right? Well, because you got used to one environment doesn't mean you can 
adapt that to everywhere else in the world. It, they're just two different things. And hopefully, you know, Vestas is a big company. They got smart engineers. Hopefully they thought through this mm-hmm. a little bit. But $175 million, to me, sounds like a lot unless you're replacing blades. Like you're just yeah. taking one blade off and putting another one on. Doesn't that seem like the way to you? Because you can buy a lot of copper tips for $175 million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's only a couple bucks a pound. So obviously with engineering and all that stuff, but still, yeah, that doesn't seem like that much money. Blame it on the engineers, so, all those rich engineers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. But I mean, the uh, you know the, the wind turbine blade copper tips, it's an interesting thing. And you just wonder, I think the, for me, the fastening just seems like the toughest thing. You know, obviously... Yeah probably don't want to shoot bolts through it and then bolts through the blade itself because that's going to let water, water in. It's going to have its own its own issues. So it seems like it's got to be epoxied on there or some other fastening system, and that seems difficult. Of course, it- maybe they have like a, a little bite in, in the blade maybe. Maybe they're doing, you know, like the way they install teeth caps. Like when they install <laughs> a, a, a crown, they like etchers down, they like snap it permanently into place. Pretty smart. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe to, uh, oh, some, no, to, some tooth technology. Yeah, they, they all may. different ways of getting it done. I, I think on a compo- on a com- here's the problem with composite parts. It's not always the same, always come out the same out of the mold. They're not always exactly the same shape. There's always this, like these little stresses and things built up in parts. And so when you actually pull the blade out of the mold, it doesn't always look the same. And after it's been spinning for a while, it tends to want to creep and crawl a little bit. So if you pre-design this cap when you get up there, I'm not sure it's going to fit all the time. That'd be my worry. All right, so in our engineering segment, we're going to talk about LiftWorks and their crane operations. Also, we're going to chat a little bit about uh, some small wind turbines. So, Alan, let's start with LiftWorks. So, they're one of a couple companies. They uh, have a great, great website, which um, always appreciate good design. But they have a bunch of different models of cranes that all have different applications. Um, some are bigger, smaller. You know, it just depends on the job. But you know, their technology is pretty much all about bringing a small crane up to the top of the nacelle where it can also be bolt, where it can be bolted down and then essentially be the chief crane to, you know, swap a gearbox, swap a blade, do all this stuff, and then send the crane back down when they're done. Yep. And then everyone goes on the way rather than having a, a big crane, you know, like a boom arm crane, 180 foot bucket or whatever on the job for, you know, a week or two. So, which obviously gets really expensive and yeah. all that. So, what do you think about this uh, this technology and these these solutions? Well, it's it's a good engineering solution, right? Because I think what the driver is just the cost and the availability of the larger cranes to show up on site at any one time. And if if you have a lot more flexibility in terms of timing, uh, or you need it, like it has to happen this week, and that crane is already booked at the next wind turbine site, and you just don't have access to it. Well, what are you going to do? Well, these sort of mobile crane uh, erector set kind of thing is what kind of what it is because they're, yeah. they're, they're mm-hmm. really slick engineering wise how that how they assemble it on top of the nacelle it's pretty uh yeah there's a lot to it there's a lot to it because you're sort of the crane the nacelles tend to have hoist they have to have hoist in them because you're trying to lift components up right to the nacelle or mm-hmm. lower them down so there, there's always some sort of hoist system in most of them uh, at least the ones I've ever been in so it sounds like they're using that hoist to like bring up some part of the crane, get some parts assembled, and then use that to then lift more parts of the crane up to get the whole assembly up there. And it's kind of mounted up top. And then once it's up there, 
then they can lift off like blades and lower blades yeah. down. Like, wow. Uh, obviously, the tower can take it because the tower has already taken the load, right? So they've mm-hmm. got some sort of load path that they've defined all the way down to, to the tower. But uh, just the the simplicity to it, it looked like at least watching some of these things go on. There's some YouTube videos of similar things where they, they hoist these things. It doesn't take all day to do it. Uh, it looks yeah. like within a, in a couple of hours, they essentially have a crane on top of the nacelle. Amazing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I'm I'm interested to see how they actually get the the crane itself up there because that's one where there's other competing companies. I've seen some videos, but um, there's the whole thing's kind of fascinating. Where suddenly there's a crane up top, like had <laughs> like you said, it has an internal crane. But yeah, I'm personally uh, I got to do a little more digging on YouTube and find out how they get it up there, like start to finish. I'd love to see a time lapse of how all that works, but. Yeah, I mean the speeds for the for the crane itself when they're hoisting you know components that they're swapping it's like 30, 30 feet per second or so. Wow. Uh, or sorry, 30, no 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 30, 30 feet per minute. Okay. I misspoke. Um, yeah, it makes more sense. <laughs> um, so, but still pretty fast. Yeah. And uh, you know, just doesn't like I said, doesn't have to have that really expensive because I think you know the the key here is if they're, they're probably not doing gearbox swaps on a whole farm, obviously, but no. you know they might have to hit a couple. Right, and so then you don't want to have one of these incredibly expensive boom cranes on site for multiple days or multiple weeks or right or whatever, and and like you said, there's just limited to go around. So especially in some remote areas, where do you even get a crane of certain size out to some remote spot? Like that's why I think this makes a lot of sense, where they can just truck it up there in their uh, in the that it's a really unique, just like a shipping container. Yeah, and then they just de- deploy it and go. So it makes a lot of sense. It does, and like if I'm on, on an island nation or an island like a state like Hawaii or Puerto Rico, what would you do, right? Are you gonna? It's hard to get a crane yeah. on a boat out there to go do the lifting. Mm-hmm. This makes a lot more sense. Where you could put in a shipping container, send it over there, and assemble it. It's just less stuff. Yeah, it's pretty cool technology. Yeah, so let's shift here uh, to our, our final topic today. So this company, uh, My Best Watt, they are out of the the or they're out of Europe, but they're out of the Netherlands. They will allow you to. So if you're a farm owner, or you're a small business owner, or whatever, you can just kind of customize your own wind turbine. So you can pick a permanent base or a more temporary base. So that's just going to change the architecture of it. Whether it's like sunken a little more into the ground, whether they're going to pour it or just bring a really heavy base and leave it there temporarily you can change the color so you can get a colored blade colored tower um you can change the size of the cell and you can also customize some other things like how it ties into your overall energy system on your piece of land so you can have solar tied into it you can have a generator some energy storage uh, different battery options so it's a really interesting solution where like i said when you think of it industrial things like this Usually they only come in one color, right? Like right. there's no real custom. <laughs> it's just like galvanized or it's just white. Right. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's aesthetically pleasing. I mean, what first down? What what color would you get for your for your piece of land up in the up in the well, mountains? I, you, you know, if I had my well, bright, bright pink, bright pink, purple, it'd probably be red. Green. I'd probably be red. And then the engineer in me says red is the color, so you can see it, right? <laughs> you want to be able to mm-hmm. see what's going on up there. Uh, it, I wouldn't paint it light blue so I couldn't see it against the sky, right? But 
I think local ordinances would force people to paint them certain colors, mm-hmm. uh, especially up in my neck of the woods. Uh, there, there has, well, in my neck of the woods, you can't have a wind turbine in town, uh, <laughs> which is insanity. Okay, so, uh, but in a left up own devices, yeah, I mean, you, who wouldn't? If you let the kids pick out the colors, there'd be rainbow colors and all kinds of crazy things, which would be awesome, right? I mean, it just kind of lighten up the the uh, wind turbine world a little bit. But it is it mm-hmm. is interesting that they it, it's like a construct your own system sort of thing. Like what it's like these little building blocks of of energy creation and storage, which I hadn't mm-hmm. seen before. Because I, maybe the problem they ran into was when they started talking to potential customers that everybody's situation was so different. There's not like a one size fits all. Yeah. solution it's gonna be a lot harder in the consumer market for sure oh, I mean, and then just like yeah. with the the height of it it's like you might have great wind 30 meters up or 30 feet up or whatever and you might have to say okay well this works for you but it's not gonna work for me so right and i guess you know if they just have three options which th- it seems like that's what they do so like with towers uh let's see what their their height options are here um you know their towers are five to ten meters 15 to 20 25 to 30 those are their Cover Options. most situations, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you might be fine with 10 meters and be good to go, or you might get great energy potential, or you might just like, they might say, hey, it looks like you can double because what, wind power improves by the cube? Is that right? Right, so it if does. You double your, so they might, so might say, hey, you could do a 10 meter, but if you jump up to 20, you're going to double your, or, you know, cube your power. So Eight times the power, probably, yeah. If you, if you can get into better mm-hmm. winds, then yeah, you would totally want to get it higher, right? If you're going to do it, do it. And again, mm-hmm. I guess my guess is part of it is local ordinances and laws that would restrict height to some of these things and probably color. So you, and then the energy storage systems that go along with them are are interesting uh, because it all would based on how much energy you're going to possibly produce, right? So you have great yeah. wind and you're you're producing a lot of power. You probably want to store some of it for later on. Uh, so the 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 variety is that sort of it's sort of Amazonish on some sense. Like you can pick what color you want. You can pick the little features you want. Sometimes in Amazon for some some things uh, mm-hmm. that it would sort of click into the consumer market of hey, this is doable, and I'm not getting a particular setup shoved at me. I have because it's on my property. I, I want to have some say in it. This is the yeah. way they have their say. And get what they want. I'm sure there's some knowledge has to come along with it. Like, okay, you, you you're just not in a windy enough location. You need to go taller on the tower to get anything out of it. That's good. That's good mm-hmm. advice, right? I would want that advice because I wouldn't know in my hilly neighborhood whether I need to go higher or lower. And how would you know? Uh, so you just need some advice there. But it is an interesting concept. And I, I have we seen it marketed anywhere else like that? Like. Um, on the southern hemisphere, not, not not my research, no. But okay, I'm sure it's probably not far from being out there. I, I'm not sure if the U.S. in general, maybe just not as windy of some spots in Europe. I mean, obviously it's not Scotland, but right. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that's great wind, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah. But I mean, is it is this something you see? You think is going to be more prevalent now that you know, like Tesla's Powerwall, their battery technology is increasing. It seems like there's a lot of really good minds on battery technology at the moment. I mean, is this going to become more viable where people are like, hey, you can have a battery system for your house, a solar panel and a small wind turbine. And in 10 years, if you're going to be staying put, like you won't have an energy bill. Does that seem reasonable? Maybe, maybe that, well, the next 
uh, announcement for batteries is just coming up in the next week or so, right? Tesla's making their big announcement about uh, the next generation of batteries. And I, I'm not sure where that's going to take us right now. There's a lot of talk about what, the, what it means for all kinds of industries. What I haven't seen is the Tesla wall battery, what it means for the Tesla wall battery, because it seems to be the, the discussion to be related in two areas. I keep seeing discussions about the battery making it possible to make aviation driven by battery. I'm not sure that's going to happen, but, uh, and then the auto, obviously the automobile, right? So the automobile is the big talk, mm -hmm. but there's, I have not seen much about the, the battery wall. And it, it, I think in some places on the planet, it makes sense to have the battery wall, but it, they got to get the reliable, the longevity of it up to bring the overall cost down. And it, maybe that's yep. where they're headed is that it can be cycled and cycled and cycled and not, and not replacing it every five years, whatever that lifespan is, it's going to live 20. So you can amortize the cost of it over a longer period of time, which brings down what the effective cost of it per year is. So therefore, yeah, I can do it. Um, so in the next couple of months, we should know a lot of those details because it seems like it's not just Tesla's working on There's a couple others that are chattering online about having better battery technology. So design your own wind turbine, tie it to a, a, a just a more um, useful form of a battery could be a big boon, right? could be a big boon for a lot of people. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode of Uptime. If you're new here, thanks for listening. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. Obviously, we're also on YouTube as well with video versions. So check us out there. Be sure to find us on the web at weatherguardwind.com where we have tons of tutorial videos, articles, our podcasts, all sorts of help docs. And of course, you can reach out to us there as well if you need help with your wind turbine lightning protection. So thanks again for listening. And we will see you here next week on the Uptime Podcast. Is downtime causing you financial pain and putting a stop to your power production for months on end? It's no secret, lightning strike damage is a major cause of wind turbine downtime. This damage is preventable with our easy-to-install strike tape lightning protection system for wind turbine blades. Our incredible engineering, build quality, materials, and edge sealants withstand up to five times more abuse in the toughest weather and lightning conditions. And we've got the research to prove it. If you're tired of constant downtime, we can help. Reach out to us at weatherguardwind.com and schedule a free call. We'll get your uptime back in no time.